You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. What is up, Huda Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints Podcast presented by Boot Crew Media. And look, this is such a weird year that I'm trying to get a grasp as to whether or not it's like, okay, full-on playoff pusher, okay, full-on tank. It just seems like that kind of mood has switched time and time again. Uh, throughout this year and of course the Saints do have a game coming up against the Panthers on Sunday and technically speaking there's still a lot to play for in terms of getting to the playoffs the Saints actually still do have that reality despite the 20 to 3 loss on Monday against the Dolphins which was one of the probably more painful games we'd have to watch this year I would say there's a bunch that have been painful almost all of them have been painful to be honest but there's still, you know, games out there to be had, to be won, and potentially making a playoff spot. But I'm not naive. I I know that for, you know, the Houdat Nation particularly, guys, this isn't one of those years where you're going to turn on, you know, the Straight Up Saints podcast or the Saints Twitter podcast or Locked On Saints or whichever podcast you might listen to uh, and be like, hey, I can't wait to hear the breakdown on this Saints-Panthers game and the X's and O's and the matchups we need to watch. I mean, some of you might, and for those some, I will address, obviously, this upcoming game, but I'm not blind to the situation going on. I, I do understand that this is a season where the way it's gone, in the manner it's gone, you're more so concerned with the big picture stuff, and you probably should be, and those are the things that I'm going to talk about on this podcast. I think those are kind of the things that are, are super important for not just the next two weeks, but the 2022 season, because before you know it, it'll be next September because time flies. I've completely lost all concept of it. And we'll be back in this same spot, hopefully talking about a better Saints team. But that's kind of the gist of it and where I'm at right now. It's one of those podcasts where, hey, if you're looking for 25 minutes of Saints-Panthers talk, you're not going to get that. If you're looking for 25 minutes of real talk about what next year's team might look like, what questions need to be answered, what decisions need to be made, and there's a lot of big board decisions that the Saints are going to have to make, then you're in the right place. And I promise you I'll talk about the Saints-Panthers towards the end of this. So let's jump right into it. Let's start about something, talk about something pretty good that I saw, and I thought this is probably the best news you'll see, and doesn't matter if he's on the Saints next year. Jameis Winston's back throwing a football game, and granted, it was in very slow fashion in a manner where, yeah, it's not going to get you all riled up and pumped up on this Thursday night or Friday morning or Saturday morning whenever you're listening to this. But it's great to see him take that next step in his recovery. And I've long said, regardless of where he ends up, I will root for him. Uh, I do think it's a lot. It's it's very easy for people to kind of pull up Jameis's past, whether on or off the field, and and kind of rip him for it. But I I do think he actually is a changed man, and I think changed for the better. So I, I will be rooting for him wherever he ends up going, if he stays on the Saints or if he goes elsewhere. And who knows how that's going to unfold. But that's obviously going to be one of the main things for the Saints this offseason, which brings me to something else that came up today. And the reason I'm tying both together is, hey, they both play quarterback, and both of them are going to be tied into the Saints. So on the same day that that video comes out of, uh, excuse me, James Winston, Russell Wilson comes out, and he starts talking about his Seahawks tenure. And this was unprovoked. Just asking, he was asked about the Seahawks' future, like if they could still be a championship team, and He goes on talking about the Seahawks upcoming game, which is their home finale for the regular season. And he says, I know for me, I hope it's not my last game in Seattle, but at the same time, I know it won't be my last game in the NFL. I'm just going to put this real, real simple here. 
it's him or Pete. One of them's got to go in the offseason. And, I mean, if you're Seattle, you would be stupid to not pick Russell Wilson. But I don't know how this is going to go down. And, hell, there might be a situation where maybe both of them are gone. And we have to go back to the list in, I believe it was April or May when Russell Wilson was linked in all those rumors. It was Bears, Cowboys, Raiders, Saints. Bears, they drafted Justin Fields. I'd imagine they're off the table. Cowboys locked up with Dak, and let's be real, Dak's a damn good quarterback. I think worthy of being in the same talk as Russell Wilson, they're off the table. Raiders, that's an interesting one. I think it's a, it's very easy just to dismiss Derek Carr, but whether you like him or not, and then for the record, guys, I, I think Derek Carr's annoying as hell, but I will give him his respect. I think he's had a pretty solid season, all things considered. The John Gruden scandal, you lose your top receiver to Henry Ruggs to that tragic accident. And obviously, whatever's going to unfold from that situation, I'll give him credit. I think he's he's done a good job handling adversity, albeit the Carr family does get on my nerves from time to time. So I would take the Raiders out. And that leaves you with the Saints from that window. Now, I'm sure there's other teams that are going to come to the forefront. I would imagine a team like the Broncos, a team like the Browns, hell, a team like the Dolphins, if they want to move off of Tua. I think those are teams that are all of a sudden going to enter the mix. And then it'll be up to Russell Wilson because he does have a no trade clause. And I have said it time and time again, the no-trade clause is super, super, super important. There was no no-trade clause. I would take the Saints out of it because I don't think they would match the draft capital of a team like the Dolphins or a team like the Giants or a team like even the Broncos. I just don't think they can do that. But when you say there's no, there is a no-trade clause, that changes things because Russ has more of a say than you'd think. Now that gets me to my next point on this Russell Wilson thing. Because I know a lot of people are going to say he's not on the Saints. Why are we talking about a player that's not on the Saints on a podcast named Straight Up Saints? Well, he's tied to the Saints. And the second time the list came around, guys, the Saints were on the list again. And for the record, Giants allegedly are sticking with Daniel Jones for one more year. So if that takes them out, that takes one of the main suitors. I would say the Giants and the Eagles are the two biggest suitors because of the picks they have. The Eagles have three first-round picks. Giants have two for next year. That's, that's a big difference. So Russell Wilson hypothetically, you link him to the Saints, and he's going to get linked to the Saints for the next couple of months anyway. I've noticed, and at first it was a surprise, now it's not a surprise anymore to me. Saints fans don't want to hear it. A good portion of Saints fans don't want to hear it. If I so much as tweet Russell Wilson, man, my mentions are filled with, oh, who cares, we have Jameis, or whatever that may be. Like That's the usual response. And then on the flip side, if I say something nice about Jameis, I get all of a sudden like Jameis is the savior and, and all this, and I'm going to, like, I'm not going to say this is the last time I talk about it because it's not going to be the last time I talk about it. I'm not going to lie to you guys. But I do think it's very odd how people approach the Saints quarterback situation for a plethora of different reasons. For starters, a lot of people are telling me, hey, Russell Wilson's declining. And, and, and look, is he playing up to his standard this year? Absolutely not. Did he finish last season on a sour note? Sure. But he also finished last season with 40 touchdowns. The Seahawks also had a home playoff game last year. He's also on a coaching staff that, let's be real, they are way behind their time. And I think he would benefit from a change of scenery. Hell, Matt Stafford, who not as many of you guys liked him as much as I did, because I remember I said I wanted the Saints to get Matt Stafford. And I know when I'm wrong. I admit when I'm wrong. Like, I'll admit when I'm wrong in a little bit, a couple minutes from now. But I said I wanted the Saints to get Matt Stafford. And my God, did so many of you hit me up and say, hey, is Matt Stafford that good? Is he? Well, I think he's a pretty damn good quarterback. I'm sure the Rams feel pretty good about trading for him. 
how much did he benefit from a change of scenery? And mind you, Russell Wilson's better than Matthew Stafford. So I think that's something that you have to take into consideration. If Russ is mentally checked out and he goes to New Orleans, hypothetically, guys, and he wants to be there, you're going to see a different Russ. I think you're going to see that Russ that we're accustomed to seeing. So I think those are all things to consider when you're thinking about this topic. And that brings me to another point, the Jameis Winston situation. There's two reasons I don't understand this Jameis Winston situation. The first one's the more important one. He's a free agent. If Jameis Winston was on the roster for next year, I think it absolutely would be a just bullshit thing of me to just constantly bring up Russell Wilson's name. Because that that was that would just be dismissing a guy who, yeah, did he play great this year? No. But did he play okay? Yeah. And did he play efficient football? Sure. Like, that would be messed up with me if he was under contract. But he's not under contract. He's a free agent. And I think it's also dangerous to assume that the Saints are the only team that are going to be interested in Jameis Winston. I think that's a very, very dangerous take to have as a fan. Hence why I've brought in my idea of who I think the Saints quarterback could be, whether it is a Jameis Winston or a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers or a Kenny Pickett. Got to broaden the area. The Saints won't be the only team that goes after him. I think that's very important to put out. And the reason I say that is there's a lot of quarterback jobs in this league, and some people are going to miss out on the big ticket prices, prizes, excuse me. And that means guys like Jameis can feast on the ones that didn't. You don't think that Washington needs a new quarterback? Jameis would be an upgrade over what they got. Jameis would be an upgrade over what Carolina's got. If Seattle trades Russell Wilson somewhere, Jameis would be a really nice holdover till they find their guy unless maybe Jameis becomes their guy. The Lions, I mean, yeah, they could rock with golf for another year, but going after Jameis isn't the worst idea in the world. You look around this league, man. You look around this league. Broncos, I love Teddy Bridgewater to death. You guys know how I feel about Teddy Bridgewater. Jameis Winston's a better quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater. The Steelers, Jameis kind of fits that big Ben mold in terms of just a tough, you know, great upper body type of quarterback who's got a strong arm. He kind of fits that mold. They can use a quarterback. There's a lot of teams in this league that can use a quarterback like Jameis Winston because he is one of 32. And he is a free agent. So I think that's really important. The second thing with Jameis, because I noted, I noticed this with the Russell Wilson thing. A lot of people bring up Russell looks washed. Russell's coming off the hand injury. Jameis is coming off a torn ACL. And while I do think he will recover fully because I think Jameis is a great, great worker, I think we've seen that over the last two years. Why do we dismiss some things for others but bring it up for, for the other ones? Like that, that just makes no sense for me. And that's not as important. I really think Jameis is going to make a full recovery. And like I said before, if he re-signs with the Saints, if he goes somewhere else, I'm going to root for the dude. He was nothing but good to the Saints. I'm going to root for him. But I, I think it's very important. And the last thing I will say, the picks debate. That one for me is the weirdest thing. Because a lot of Saints fans are talking about whether or not they want to give up so-and-so picks, as if we're in charge, which is my funniest thing, because you guys aren't the only ones that do it. I do it all the time. I'm sitting there going, hey. Would I trade this and that? I mean, I, I have a lot of conversations with my friend Darian uh, who, who does the Mouth of the South and he's got the Locked on HBCU podcast. And me and Darian always talk about, would you trade this and that for Russell Wilson? Would you trade this and that for that player? And we have a little bit of a, a back and forth about it. And, and then in the back of my mind, I'm like, it's funny how we're talking about this, but we have no say into what's going to happen. But a lot of people are worried about that. They say, hey, three first-round picks, that's a lot to give up. Two first-round picks, two seconds, that's a lot to give up. The last two first-round picks that the Saints have had, Hayden Turner, Cesar Ruiz. 
one can't stay on the field. And we don't know what he is. Like, I think that's very important to say. We don't know what Peyton Turner is. So we could, we could rewind it back to this episode in, in a year or two from now. And we're going to be like, hey, remember that dumbass Chris when he said that Peyton Turner, we don't know what he is, and Peyton Turner was a questionable pick. And, and then we could all laugh about it. But for now, he's a huge question mark because he hasn't played much. And when he has played, he had some moments. I'll give him that. But did he wow you like Pete Werner or wow you like Paulson Debo? The answer is a resounding no. So you have that in Peyton Turner. And then you have the pick which you guys are all going to agree with, so I don't got to worry about taking any flack for this. Cesar Ruiz. If you could trade what you didn't know then that you do know now, Cesar Ruiz and Peyton Turner with second-round picks and third-round picks, you guys would do it in a heartbeat. So don't, don't lie and say that the first-round picks are too much to give up and they're mortgaging the future and it's a bad money spot. The Saints are always in a bad money spot, and they're going to figure it out every year. Got to kick the can down the road till 2030. So freaking be it. Who cares? That's the way this team's going to operate because they're going to be under the win now culture. You know which teams worry about the cap and which teams are always saying, oh, we can't do that. It's too aggressive. The ones that are always losing 10, 12 games a year. And you know what? Joke's on them. What are you going to do without all that excess cash, cash if you're not using it? Makes no sense to me. So the picks debate, sure, there's a lot to be mortgaged when you go after a guy like a Russell Wilson. But are the Saints always hitting on their first-round picks? The answer is no. So, sometimes they do. Marcus Davenport worked out three years later, and, and that's why I think the Peyton Turner thing's a fair one. But we haven't seen anything from Cesar Ruiz. Nothing yet to justify that. So I, I think that for the Saints' case, I, I just think that's a little – I think that's a cop-out to just say, hey, you're trading picks, you're mortgaging a lot. I don't agree with it. But let's kind of switch gears. Let's talk about two – Players on the defense, one of them under contract for next year, the other one not, both need new deals. And now you're going to say, why the hell does a guy who's under contract need a new deal? I'm talking about Marcus Davenport, and now all of a sudden you guys are like, yes, I totally agree. And and Davenport, I totally get why we were all frustrated. And I say we because you guys know I was harsh on him. So I might be like, oh, Saints fans are harsh on Davenport. No, hell no, I was harsh on him too. I was fed up at one point. But he is healthy for the most part this year. And his productivity score, I thought this was great from Pro Football Focus. It's an 8.9. So he's tied for the 11th best among all defensive linemen, including defensive tackles like an Aaron Donald. And he's averaging 3.8 pressures per game, and he's got seven and a half sacks. That's a career high. He's doing this all in nine games. He's played nine games, okay? So he has missed time. He has missed a decent amount of time. And yet he's still producing at an elite level. Before, I thought it was kind of like a... Can he stay healthy and can he produce? Now it's only can he stay healthy because when he's healthy, he's producing. And he's not producing in ways that you're like, all right, it says he did this on the box score, but I don't remember making impact. No, you feel it. You see it. And I talked about this with Ryan on Twitter. Davenport wants a game. He's going to make you feel it. I mean, he hit two and I'm watching from the TV and my ribs started hurt. Like that's the type of player that he's become. And the Saints are right to pick up the fifth-year option. And if you go find my old tweets, I complained about it when they did it. And boy, was I wrong because that was the right move. And I would take it a step further. You want to get in front of the eight ball? You want to make sure that you're making smart business decisions? Sign him after this year. And yeah, the downside is if he gets hurt next year, you feel like you have money invested. But what if he doesn't get as hurt next year? What if he does play 14, 15 games next year and he has 15, 16 sacks? What are you doing then? You're coughing up a shit ton of money. You're going to cough up a lot of money anyway, but it's it's just trying to find the balancing act, you know? 
And I, I think for him, he deserves a new deal. He's been great. Another guy who deserves a new deal, and he's a free agent, so he's going to get one, whether it's from the Saints or a different team, P.J. Williams. And let me just say something about P.J. Williams real quick. The P.J. Williams criticism early on in his career I think was somewhat warranted because he struggled. But you can make the argument that he was just put in the wrong spots. Outside cornerback wasn't working for him. Moves into the slot, starts showing a lot of production. Now Dennis Allen finds this kind of do-it-all role where he's in the slot, he's playing, he could play high safety, he could get down in the box, and he is an asset. He is an absolute asset. And what made me really, really happy, and I, I think this is just a testament to you guys, the fans, I tweeted out, Saints have a lot of important decisions to make in the offseason. That being said, I hope they retain P.J. Williams. He's been excellent this season. And P.J.'s been through the ringer in terms of he's gotten praise, he's gotten criticism. That tweet, very elementary tweet, by the way. I didn't really put much heart into it. It was just how I felt. Well, I did put heart into it. I just didn't put a lot of words into it, I should say. That tweet, and I'm not a big numbers dude. I, this is just a, this is actually testament to you guys. I can't give a shit what the numbers say. But 1.5K for likes. That means a lot of you guys are appreciating what PJ Williams is doing. And, and I love that. I, I love how real you guys are. If people are producing, you guys get off their back. If they're not producing, you guys get on their back. And I think that's totally fair. And, and Davenport and PJ Williams are in the same boat where they struggled at the start. All of a sudden, they're playing a lot better. So PJ Williams, I would love a new contract for him as well. I'd love to see him being a Saint, uh, Saints player for life. That's just how I feel about it. Now, before I get into Saints Panthers, because I did promise I'll get into Saints Panthers, albeit it's not going to be as long as it should be because, hey, this is a weird-ass season. So let's just roll with it. The Saints offensive line situation. I touched upon this on the last episode, but I want to go into it a little bit more here. Not as in-depth as I just did with Russell Wilson and Davenport and PJ Williams, all that, but this is a mess that needs to be fixed because it's not a problem for this year. It's a problem that if you pay attention and you're not, you know, I'm saying just let injuries be the excuse, you're going to realize it's something that could linger in 2022. So let's go through the line. Teron Armstead, he's he's out right now with an injury. He's been out. He's missed a lot of time this year, more than usual. He's going to be a free agent. We already know about that. So put him off the table. He's an unknown already, and you might need to replace him. Ryan Ramchick's missed a lot of games this year, and that's not like him. So we can sweep that under the rug and say that, eh, it's, it's just one year is the injury bug, and that is possible. Like, it is very possible the Saints just got plagued by injuries this year. But that's something to consider especially because Ramchick could be swinging to left tackle if Armstead goes and maybe Hurst or Landon Young plays right tackle. I don't know. It's possible. Eric McCoy, he's on the COVID list, so that's bad for the short term. Long term, not worried about McCoy. I think McCoy's an excellent center, so let's take him out of the equation. And Ramchick, maybe you dial it up to if he has the right procedure in the offseason, it gets cleaned up, and, and I think Nick Underhill hinted at that earlier today. Okay, maybe two pieces are good. Andrews Pete, he's out right now. Bigger issue, he's always hurt. So this isn't one of those where you can say, oh, he was just hurt this year, it was a fluke. No, Andrew Pete's always hurt. I think we're starting to realize Andrew Pete's a little bit more valuable than we all thought he is. Granted, still has his terrible moments, but he is always hurt. So you need to have a replacement for him that is valuable, that can fill in when he inevitably misses time. And then we get to the fifth guy, and this is where it gets really freaking annoying because Cesar Ruiz is always healthy, but he sucks. And I know that is so unprofessional of me to say he sucks. It's very blunt. No. I've gone to the point where Cesar Ruiz, he's played enough games. He's had enough time to learn the right guard position. It's not happening. It's, it's not. And maybe year three, something clicks that, who the hell knows? Maybe. 
And Davenport showed it with his position, but Davenport was missing a lot of time. And we always felt like Davenport missing the time is what hurt him. Ruiz isn't missing time anymore. He's the only one that's been on the field for every freaking game, and it doesn't matter. So this O-line, it's been a mess this year, which is unfortunate because it's supposed to be the best part of the team. And now you look into it and you think about 2022 and whether or not this could affect them. I think it can because Armstead's a question mark. Pete's a question mark. Ruiz is is a big-time question mark. And now Ramchek, what is he? And you look down the list, you're like, all right, Eric McCoy is the only guy we can rely on, assuming this Ramchek thing is something that happens every year. If Ramchek is fine, okay, you got two guys you can rely on out of five. But you realize this O-line, which is supposed to be the strong suit, and understandably so because it is a really good O-line when healthy, that's, that's just not what you envision. So we'll see what happens there. Now let's get into the Saints-Panthers game. Let's go with the injury report real briefly. Uh, we have Armstead and Traquan Smith. They did not practice. And Ty Montgomery didn't practice as well. Knee injury for Armstead. Chest injury for Traquan. Ty Montgomery back injury. Limited practice for Davenport. He's got a shoulder injury. Limited practice for Ingram. He's got a knee injury. Limited practice for Nick Vanette. Uh, Cameron Jordan and Carl Granderson, not injury related. Don't worry about them. Full practice for Taysom Hill. I guess that's good news there. Overall, the injury report's kind of looking the same. They're going to get Deontay Harris back if he comes off the COVID list. His suspension's up, but he is on the COVID list. They are getting some pieces back, which is good. Malcolm Jenkins back, Tamar Davis back. Those are big pieces for them defensively. They're probably going to be without Marcus Williams. He, test, he, he got on the list, which probably means he tested positive. So this is just a, a situation where you're still in flux because Eric McCoy, he's on the COVID list now too. So you're going to get some guys back. You're also going to lose some guys. You're kind of just playing got a revolving door of who's in, who's out. And we'll kind of see what happens there. But I think overall, just from a roster standpoint, the Saints have enough firepower for Sunday's game where they should be able to beat the Panthers. And when I talk about the firepower, I'm mostly talking about defensive with Lattimore and Cam Jordan and Davenport and now Davis back for sure and Pete Werner. And uh, they got fire, they got the firepower there. Offensively, who knows? Because Kamara struggled on Monday. He struggled against the Bucs. And that's more so of a, he's the only guy on their roster who's a game changer on offense right now. And it's easier for teams to just game plan around. It's a lot easier. If you go play basketball and there's one dude on your team who could score really, really well, the rest of them really can't, you're going to start doubling. You're going to start trapping. You don't want that man to beat you. And that's kind of what's going on with Kamara right now. And that's why having a Michael Thomas makes all the difference. So we'll see what happens there. Um, with AK, I would expect him to bounce back for two reasons. One, he's due for it. And two, which is more important, the Panthers are dealing with the COVID situation as well. Probably worse than the Saints. They're kind of now going into what the Saints were going in last week. And you guys know how bad that situation got. So the Panthers right now, whether it's Shaq Thompson, whether it is uh, Brian Burns, which are two guys that they placed on the COVID list, both being really big-time playmakers, they could be without them. And without them, that that changes a lot. And the Saints could run over them uh, if they are missing those two players. And it would give them enough time in terms of pass protection because Brian Burns is a a damn good pass rusher. So let's get into the game here. Darnold's going to start. So no Cam Newton versus Cam Jordan and the Saints, although that would be nice for old time's sake. But it's Sam Darnold. He played really well the first time the Saints played them. Totally different ball game now. Panthers are on the down. Saints are kind of stuck in neutral. And I guess I would rather take being my car being stuck in neutral than my car going down a hill in reverse. That's just not great. And that's kind of what the Panthers are right now. And that brings me to my point that I know a lot of people want the Saints to tank. And I know a lot of people want them to end up with a high pick. 
And maybe it will. But losing to the Panthers, getting swept by the Panthers, the Panthers who started off 3-0 and are going to or currently 5-10, getting swept by that team, that leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And maybe that's the Chipotle I had you know, earlier today. I don't know. But that would really leave a bad taste in my mouth that they were to lose and get swept by the Panthers. And I get it. It helped the draft position. It cements that they're not making the playoffs. It makes it a lot easier to play some younger guys the following week and kind of assess the roster. Totally get that. But the Panthers are a bad team. And you're, watching, you're looking at these games they're losing. 32-6 to to the Bucs. 31-14 to against the Bills. 29-21 to against the Falcons. 33-10 to against the Dolphins. 27-21 to against Washington. They're a bad football team right now. And you got to win these type of games. You got to. Put the tank to the side, get pressure on Darnold, and he will make mistakes. And I think if the Saints defense plays the way against or the way it played against Tampa Bay, the way it played against Miami, with getting pressure in the front four and making sure your DBs make plays, I, I think the Saints will win this game. And that's how I do feel. I do think the Saints are going to win this game. Remember, no CMC for the Panthers. At this point, I don't know what their receiving situation is going to be like. DJ Moore's been banged up the last couple weeks. No cam means you've taken out that running element unless they get him in for run plays, which then you're kind of showing your hand, but you got to win this game. So defense has to get pressure, force Darnold into turnovers, and offense has to do just enough. And I think if Taysom is running the football well, they'll be able to do just enough. And it will be one of those games that you probably finish winning 20 to 10 or 20 to 13. It'll be ugly. And that's just been this season. Crawl and scratch and get your way to 500 and then See how the ball drops in week 18. But I, I think this is going to be one of those games. You lose this game. My God. It's just a bad It's a bad look. This isn't like, you know, doomsday if you lose it. Again, what's the Saints ceiling? Even if they win the next two games and they make the playoffs, what's the ceiling? It's not a Super Bowl. So it's just a bad look to lose to a Matt Rule Panthers team that, I'm going to be honest, guys, Matt Rule's not looking like an NFL coach right now. So we'll see what happens there. But I expect the Saints to beat the Panthers. Thinking around 20 to 10. I can see their defense having yet another stellar game, but we'll see what happens there. It's going to be a 325 kickoff for you guys, which I don't know how you guys feel. I do not like the late afternoon session, but hey, you got New Year's Eve and Friday, New Year's Day Saturday. Maybe you need the late afternoon. We need some sleep. So we'll see what happens, guys. Should be a fun one, kind of, maybe. If Donald throws a lot of picks, it'll be a fun one, I guess. I'll put it that way. We'll see you, though, on, uh, on Sunday, though. But I do expect the Saints to win and prove to 8 and 8. And then who the hell knows how the playoff picture will look then? Assuming that happens, but only time will tell. But anyway, guys, before I wrap up, just want to give a really, really, really big thank you to all of you who listened to the Straight Up Saints podcast this year, all of you guys who supported my Saints content this year. Obviously, it was a weird freaking year. Started off taking a break at Straight Up Saints. Then I was doing sports overtime, as you guys know. Obviously, that situation just completely hit the fan. And then it came back here. Obviously, loved coming back here, working with Buker Media as well. Just They've been great. So I appreciate all you guys listening to the podcast and supporting me and just interacting. I, I think it's a big thing. Like I can't stress it enough. When I do stuff like this, I, I promise you, I don't give a crap about, oh, you know, support this and, and, and Patreon this or, you know, how about a sub here and that, which, by the way, everyone should be doing that. You should be profiting off something you're really good at. But I'm not necessarily saying I'm really good at this. I just really enjoy interacting with you guys. So I appreciate you guys listening to the podcast, constantly interacting on Twitter, letting me know how you guys feel. And, and I hope for a lot of you, 
you feel like I do respond back and I, and I do have a connection with you guys. Cause I, I think the one thing that only, the only thing I regret is especially during saints games, there's just so many, you know, back and forth. And I tweet so damn much that I feel like I don't always get back to you guys. So I hope you guys feel like I am doing a, a little bit of that. That's something I'm going to try and work on a little bit better uh, for the new year. And also for people who um, follow my Twitter, you guys know I'm a big Marvel guy. I will just say this tune in for something in 2022. I'm going to, add more content to my portfolio. I'll, I'll put it that way. Uh, obviously still going to be doing this super excited about the direction that the saints could go in hypothetically speaking next year. So I will be here for straight up saints for all of 2022. Really, really appreciate you guys who were here for 2021 tough year in some regards. Obviously we're still dealing with COVID. It still doesn't feel like normal times, but the love and support is always appreciated. And I hope you guys have a very, very happy and healthy new year. And I will be back here on the straight up saints podcast Sunday after the saints Panthers game, see whatever the new year brings in with this saints team, but I'll be here for it. And I know you guys will be here too. So have a happy and healthy new year. Thank you for all the support. And when I come back on here, it'll be 2022. You're listening to the straight up saints podcast.